Good morning. Um, I now know that uh, our God is great. And uh, months ago, I would not even have imagined that we will be here to talk about our life and what happened to us the past several months. But God is great, and through his grace, we are now here to share our testimony. My name is Enrique De Leon. Driven by my hatred for my father, who was a mailman and an alcoholic while I was growing up, I was determined to be successful and become a billionaire. I worked hard academically to graduate at the top of my high school, got into a top private university through scholarships from both the government and the university itself, and then proceeded to graduate studies. Eventually working as a corporate banker, I did not have the patience to go through the ranks, so I worked hard and worked my way up through accelerated executive development programs. By the time I was in my mid-20s, at the same time I reached mid-level rank as assistant vice president in the British bank, darkness started to creep into my heart and I felt lost. I reached out to Ateneo to explore Jesuit priesthood. I felt lost I wanted and wanted to be found but priesthood was not my calling. Things started to go downhill from there. I decided I would become a coconut farmer and at the same time a local civic leader, but then again, it was not meant to be. At the height of the Asian financial crisis, I lost most of the money I had in the stock market crash that followed. So at that point, I did not have a professional title I did not have my million anymore, and I still hated my father who by then was already bedridden from all sorts of sickness and receiving financial support from me. Good morning, everyone. My name is Marina de la Peña Zafra de Leon. I am the youngest child of six children. My father died when I was 11 years old, so I grew up in a very strong maternal, loving family. Despite only finishing fifth grade, my mother was able to send all her children through college. My humble beginnings drove me to work hard and to eventually earn a good income as a chemical engineer so I can in turn send my relatives to college. I was already working in research and development for Procter & Gamble in Makati, Philippines, in thinking that I was mature enough for married life, I decided to get married at the young age of 23 and migrated to California in 1992. Despite the requirements of motherhood, I wanted my own career and my competitive nature and stubbornness took over me. I tried my best to juggle my responsibilities as a mother, wife, and homemaker while working rotating 12-hour shift from 4 a.m. to 4 p.m., then from 4, 4 p.m. to 4 a.m. Not being content, wanting more time for my small child, and afraid of the long-term effects of petroleum refinery chemicals to my body, 
I went back to school and changed career to information technology and worked as a programmer analyst. I was proud to be able to send money to our relatives in the Philippines. I thought the best way I could love was to provide material things. But all this had a high, had a high price to pay. One day, in the middle of our farm somewhere in the hills, for the first time in my life, death came to me as an option. But I did not even have the courage to take my own life. I cried and prayed to God. I said, I'll give life another try. But still, everything was in my own terms. One Saturday morning, by the time I was back at work in Manila, a pastor who was the brother of my brother-in-law called and told me of an impression he said God planted that day in his heart. He just wanted to meet up with me. So we talked about many things for many hours in that afternoon, the same day, but nothing was discussed about God. By evening, though I still could not remember how it happened, I prayed to receive Christ as my Lord and Savior. At that instance, I somehow managed to let go of all the hatred and frustrations towards my father that, I, that kept on gripping me. I felt a fire in me that told me to do something for God. But as life went on, however, I became complacent. I was just too lazy to know more about God. Life was still, therefore, on my own terms. I ended up shifting career to information technology and moved to the US to work on a project for Stanford. It was all about me again, and I said, Enrique's got his mojo back. Within first year of marriage, my ex-husband, who was suffering from the side effects of diabetes, became verbally abusive. My lack of spiritual support and lack of understanding of his condition and my focus on earning money eventually took its toll. After eight years of marriage, I became a single mom. The demise of my marriage made me assertive and doubtful of people's intentions toward me. And I began to adhere to the liberal way of thinking. I resolved to just raise my first child, Monica, as a single mom and not marry again until she is an adult. In 2002, after 10 years of separation, I found my former high school sweetheart to be single again. <laughs> we dated and finally got married in 2003. Like me, she was at the top of her game. We thought we were smart and stood up to the very crushing pressures of work in information technology, a field where you constantly need to be confident, have a big ego, competing in the workplace, trying to shine and not be outshined. Inwardly, we were very proud and arrogant. Life was good, money and credit was easy. We had a house in a great neighborhood with top schools. We have two wonderful kids. We controlled our destiny and the destiny of the people back home through our financial support. God was always available every Sunday to assure us we're good persons who deserve to go to heaven. 
In 2008, our world started to crumble. This was the year that my father died and Marina's mother died within one month of each other. It was also the start of the recession and many of our friends and work acquaintances lost their jobs. We got to keep ours, but the stress of heavier workload and the persistent risk of getting laid off started to eat us up from inside. Like a termite slowly creating holes in a wooden foundation. I started becoming irritable and impatient. Quarrels became frequent as stresses from work were brought home and mingled with daily family issues. In my eyes, my wife became less of the partner I thought I married and became more of the unreasonable person I would not have married in the first place. In two separate instances, I came to the conclusion that divorce was the only sensible solution. But I loved my wife, and that was enough to keep me in the marriage. So we persisted. We were able to maintain our house, had nice cars, send our small child to private school, and provide our older child a private tutor, and continued to send money back to our relatives in the Philippines. I convinced myself that everything was good. I was perceived to be generous, loving, and helpful. But my husband described me as arrogant, stubborn, and not able to listen. In the heat of the moment, I would retaliate with heartful words that I would eventually regret. In February 2012, I began to have difficulty sleeping and was diagnosed with anxiety and insomnia, which quickly turned into a very deep depression. My condition deteriorated every day to the point that I could no longer take care of my children and my husband. I could no longer cook and maintain the household. I was so weak emotionally, physically, mentally, and spiritually. There was a very, very, very dark, heavy feeling inside my heart. My mind kept thinking day and night of my past sins, and I believed that I could not be forgiven, and I was convinced that I was going to hell forever. My wife buckled down to too much stress and anxiety. She started to lose sleep and struggled through work and regular daily life. By February last year, we were already dealing with depression. Every day that passed was a day darker than the day before. The condition was like an intruder in my household. Telling us that we were doomed and that we're done as a family. That there was no more hope. It nagged and nagged and nagged and never stopped morning and night. No medicine, no priest, no assurance that things were actually okay. And the darkness was only imagined could bring life to our home. So then death start, started to stare and look at me in the eyes yet again. This time not once, but twice. In my darkest moment, I tried to end my suffering and my family members' suffering 
with trying to take my life by overdosing on my depression pills. After waking up from a few days in a coma, Ike told me that he and the children and our extended family members and close friends were praying so hard. So you were praying so hard for me. I asked God why he allowed me to feel that way. At a time when my children were just beginning to grow up and need a mother. Why me? Why now? I asked God and I needed an answer. The answer came when Ike decided to send me to the Philippines as a last option to seek treatment there and try Filipino psychiatrists. In September last year, during the second time I thought I had lost my wife, I was sitting by Marina's bedside in the ICU. Earlier in that day, I had reached out to families and friends for prayer. She was already many hours not responding to any stimuli, and the doctor could not even give a prognosis if she was ever going to wake up again. I sang to her the song I sang when I was still courting her. I whispered to her, Han, na. I promise to be a better husband and father. I promise we'll be very happy. I'm sorry I was not the successful person we thought I was going to be. But as long as we're together, we'll be happy. I tried to assure her. I went to the bathroom, and maybe due to the stress, I blacked out and could only see darkness. But my mind was still clear. I prayed to God and asked him to be at the center of our lives. After a couple of minutes, I was able to get up. A couple of hours later, just a few minutes before midnight, and almost 24 hours before she went comatose, Marina started to respond to sound. The next morning, she was already fully responsive. In another couple of days, she was discharged from the hospital. The depression lingered, and I decided to let her get therapy in the Philippines to take her away from the stresses here in the US. Immediately after I arrived in the Philippines, my first cousin brought me to their Marikina the Discipleship Group. And eventually, Brent brought me to a CCF worship service in St. Francis. After the worship service, they brought me to the welcome room where one of the pastors shared the gospel with me. I learned that God loves me even if I don't deserve his abundant love and mercy. I realized that only in Jesus Christ have all my sins been forgiven and I don't need to carry that burden anymore. It was there that I accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. God healed me slowly from my depression and replaced the dark and heavy feeling that weighed me down with joy and peace. I have learned to forgive the people who may have hurt me in the past and prayed to God to bless them. And most importantly, I have learned to forgive myself and was able to see my good side. 
Marina's cousin, who has been with CCF Pasig for many years, took her regularly to the Marikina D-Group meetings and weekly worship and service. In just a couple of weeks, life came back to my wife and light started to shine outward from her. In our regular video chats, she told me what she's learning about God and salvation. She persistently asked me to view CCF videos online. Honestly, a few times, I actually did. By Christmas, we were together again as a family, and 2012 ended with our resolve to put God at the center of our lives. Despite having to short sell and give up our nice home of eight years and having to simplify our lifestyle, I have learned that the most important part of my life, aside from my relationship with God, is my husband and my two daughters, Monica and Emma. In God's goodness, someone invited us to CCFLA on New Year's Day this year. Our Lord has blessed us with the love and care of our new spiritual family. And we are, de we are deeply grateful to God. Today, the Holy Spirit is the driver of my life. Even if I fall into sin at times, I am now assured that I am forgiven and accepted in Christ. Now there is joy, faith, love, and hope in my life. And, I, and now I can say that my life is a gift from God. And whatever I do with my life is my gift to him. The book of Proverbs is full of wisdom that I constantly apply in my life now. Proverbs 3 verses 5 to 6 say, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. I find myself and my family today, seven months since coming here in this church in January, still growing as God's children. Despite the challenges I face each day, God continues to reveal to me the brighter side of my situation. Instead of focusing on the stress, I am learning to focus on the everyday blessings that we all take for granted. How Monica, my older daughter, is becoming the godly young woman God wants her to be. The hugs and the kisses and the tickle fights I have with my little one, Emma. I remember Marina and her loving ways. And how on earth can such a beautiful and very giving person find anything good in a person like me? <laughs> Enough to marry me. <laughs> Most of all, I feel the presence of God and repeatedly realize that through all the difficulties, through all the years I ignored him and relied solely on myself, he has stood by my side and has loved me nonetheless. How he has worked in my life through people that I love and who love me. How everything has happened and will happen according to his plan. Now, I know that my family and I have a place with him in heaven and that we are victorious because of him. Most times, I wake up in the morning and I feel a surge of pure joy and gratitude cover me. I hear the birds tweeting outside my window and I cry. 
I thank God for my wife. I thank God for my kids, my mother, my sister, my relatives, all of them back home in the Philippines. I thank God for all of you, my family here at NCCF. In the past, I used to ask this question. We're all blind. What does it take to finally see? We're all alive, and yet we're all dead. How do we find life? I now answer with resolve and assurance of salvation from our Father with his verses that now define my and my family's life. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Jesus Christ for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Ephesians 2, verses 8 to 10. Praise, Praise and glory, glory be to God. Is God at work? Is God at work? He can work in your life. He brings light into the darkest situation. Amen? Amen. Praise God that we have such a God who is no respecter of persons, but He will change your life on the condition that you let Him. Amen? Let's give God the glory once again. This morning, it is my privilege to introduce a humble and faithful servant of the Lord who will deliver God's message to us this morning. CCFLA and all of our guests, will you please welcome Pastor Bong Saking. Praise God. Praise God. I'm so privileged to be here. And to be honest with you, I'm not supposed to be here. Uh, today is my wedding anniversary. And after, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> my plan before was for me to go back to the Philippines right after the conference. But when I learned that I was asked to preach here during your anniversary, I really brought the matter to the, the, matter to the Lord. And somehow God was telling me, my anniversary is much, much import, more important than yours. So coming here and being part of this celebration, I really am so thankful to God. Just like hearing the testimony of our brethren, I praise God because only God can really do such a thing. Amen? And to be honest, there's so many, out, so many people out there suffering from darkness, suffering from being alone without God's presence in their lives. And they need Jesus. And this is why I entitled the discussion or topic this, this morning. And hopefully we will end at about 3, 8, 3 p.m. <laughs> is that okay with you? This is an anniversary, you know. If you think that you would be sacrificing a lot of time because you would be staying up to 3 p.m., I sacrificed my time too with my wife. So I hope you would just bear with me. Is that okay with you? Uh, shall we just pray before we continue? Our loving Father, we thank you, Lord, our God, for giving us a privilege to come here together. And Lord, it is indeed a great blessing to us, Father God, to fellowship with you. 
and to also fellowship with one another, Lord our God, knowing that you are in our midst. For you promised, Lord, that if two or three are gathered in your name, you are in the midst of them. And Father, we know that you're here not just for us, Father God, to, Lord, to, to serve, but for us to enjoy you. And for you, Father God, to minister to each and every one of us. And we pray, Father in heaven, that we may truly worship you and give you the honor due you. Lord, I pray to guide us and lead us as we discuss, we study your word. And I pray, Father in heaven, that your name alone will be given glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Friends, for those Christians, actually, when Jesus Christ came, we need to understand the background. In Genesis, the Lord was in fellowship with his people, with Adam and Eve. But when men fell, that fellowship was somehow affected and they got separated. Sin made separation between men and God. But at that time, men had no problem prior to their fall. They had no problem. In fact, everything that they needed was, was provided. In fact, even before God created them, God has already provided everything that they need. Can you imagine this when God said, let there be light and there was light. And God said, and it was good. When I was reading that, I was asking myself, Lord, of course it's good because you were the one who created it. But besides, Lord, it was good. But, but the question is, where will you compare it? There is no point of comparison. Are you following? Now then I said, why did you say it was good? Is it as if you're saying to yourself, wow, I am really good. You know, look, at what, look at what I did. Look at Adam. Look at the air. Wow, it's, I'm really good. Look at, I'm sorry, look at the light. I'm really good. No, he knows the light because he is light. Amen? But why he was saying it was good? Because when he created the light, he was thinking about us. This is good for the people that I will be creating. Amen? And everything he created is really good for us. However, when we fell, the greatest problem that we have experienced is that we lost every benefit and every blessing that we're supposed to be experiencing. So when Jesus Christ came, he wants to bring that back to us. That the moment we understand living in his very presence, it gives us a heart full of peace, a heart that has full of hope, a heart that is full of confidence in Jesus. Are you following? And unfortunately, to so many Christians, they have lost the joy of living in His presence. Why am I saying that? Even during services like this, some of us are getting weary and getting worried about the time instead of thinking of the very presence of the Lord. Seven years ago, I attended a global leadership summit and Wayne Cordero shared this, and let me share this with you. The, the, the details may not be as accurate as he, was want, as he wants it to be shared, but I'll still try my best, okay? So just follow carefully. Some years ago, we were notified that the high school auditorium we normally used to hold our services at New Hope, Ohio, would not be available for one weekend in February. The school we rent from is very gracious, and we had received notices like this before, and they usually came six to eight months in advance. Profuse with apologies, school administrators handed us the memo, 
this time we needed to vacate in six weeks. The gargantuan task of finding another spot for our weekend services suddenly stared us down, Wayne Cordero said. We began knocking on doors. We tried our local Aloha Stadium, public halls, the university, any place large enough to hold 10,000 people. But nothing was available. Nothing except our last option, an outdoor park. I pray that this problem will also occur here in CCFLA soon. That they would not find a place to, 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 uh, no, to, to celebrate. They would not find a place to, to serve the Lord every Sunday. Because there is no place uh, big enough as 10,000 people with 10,000 capacity. Aren't you excited? No, honestly, is that possible? Yes, nothing's impossible with God. If you are all faithful to the work that God has given us, He will surely make it, make it possible. Amen? If we will all work, because that's the promise of God. If you look at Ephesians, that's not part of my slides. In fact, up to now, I still don't have the slides to use. <laughs> because I, pro, I, I just, I just and I, during my quiet time this morning, the Lord was telling me, just speak. Speak on. I will speak for you. Don't worry about that English thing. I know how to speak English, he said. <laughs> because I don't know. <laughs> Honestly, I don't know how to speak English, but God does. So, I'll speak for you. So, with that in mind, this, this is a challenge for all of us. With that in mind, if we will just do all our part, if we are to be responsible together, God will allow His ministry to grow because He desires for people to experience His gracing, His, His, save, his, save, his salvation, his, his love, and His blessings. Now let's continue with this. Now the problem was our Hawaiian weather, He said, it is unpredictable and often uncooperative during the spring months. One day it's blue skies, the next it's pelting rain. We had no other choice. So we reserved the park and initiated an emergency prayer program to persuade God to keep the skies blue, at least for one weekend. At that time, as the time approached, we made our preparations. We rented a larger-than-life sound system, hundreds of, hundreds of lights and copious amounts of staging equipment, our plan was to hold three services instead of five. One Saturday evening and two on Sunday morning. The tent to protect the stage looked like a gigantic airplane hangar. Another tent sufficient to hold about 1,000 was erected so a few people could find shelter if the rain came down. There were no other tents available to rent. So everyone else in attendance would need to sit under, hopefully, the canopy of stars for the evening service and blue skies for the morning services. As the weekend approached, the weather did not look promising. When our first service began Saturday at 6 p.m., a light drizzle misted down, but we remained steady. The service concluded with most of us damp but agreeable. Before retiring that evening, I thought it was wise to meet with the chief weatherman and lag my concerns. My respectful plea began, Lord, you know how I've served you faithfully for lo, this many years. I have not asked of thee long life, nor for the life of mine enemies. <laughs> so this is what Wayne Cordero said. When I get serious, I tend to use the 1611 language of the King James Version. I beseech thee for sunshine on this thy beloved people who shall gather in the morn that we might praise thee unwetted. 
Satisfied with my supplication and mastery of the biblical language, I drifted off to sleep. The following morning, however, I was awakened by the sounds of pelting rain. Quickly, I got back on my knees and this time I spoke plainly. <laughs> Dear God, we cannot have this. Turn off the faucet, please. <laughs> Mastering up all the confidence I could, I walked toward my car without my umbrella, believing with devoted assurance that by the time I reached the park, the rain would stop. As I drove down the street, raindrops attacked my windshield. Unfettered, I refused to activate, to activate the windshield wipers in faith, believing that it would be clear skies ahead. All that did was made it hard to see the road. <laughs> By the time I arrived at the park, the worship portion of the service had already begun. Like a saturated sponge, a huddled handful of faithful followers were singing in the rain. I joined them. Our postures might have been identical, but I will bet that the content of our heart was not. With outstretched hands, I raised, not, I raised up not hymns, but protest of complaint. God, I objected, may I remind you again just how long I've been serving you. I asked for one favor, just one insignificant favor, and what do I get? I can't believe this. I remember his voice. It wasn't an angry voice, but it was firm. I don't know if anyone else heard it, but for me, it parted the heavens. And this is what God said. You are more concerned with the absence of rain that you are about than you are about the presence of God. Oftentimes, we experience that. Even in these services like this, we often think about the preacher. We often think about the program. We often think about the time. But never to be concerned whether God's presence is there. Even in choosing places to serve or church where you can belong. Oftentimes our consideration will always be distance. How much it will cost us the gasoline when we travel. Instead of seeing where God is leading us. It must be not the distance. It must be the reality of God's presence where God wants you to be. Amen? Amen? It's not about your friends. It's about Jesus. I praise God because I've ministered to several churches and I praise the Lord that He brought me to CCF. It doesn't mean that the Lord's presence is only in CCF. In fact, last night I attended another service in another church. The Christian assembly. And I, I felt the very presence of the Lord. What I'm saying is, let God lead us to where we are to serve as long as God's presence is there. Remember this. Now, I know that God is omnipresent. omnipresent. Yes, where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I send to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in shawl, behold, you are there. Yeah, I know that. But when we talk about living in God's presence, what I mean is this. It is a greater realization of God's presence that God is already present, yet we want to perceive His presence more. We want to be more conscious of Him. We want a greater awareness of Him in our midst. And second, when we, are, when we hunger for the presence of God, we long to be filled to full measure with His Holy Spirit. That's what we want. 
And thirdly, when we talk about living in God's presence, we may include the request of a special anointing for a special task at a specific time, and we call this God's manifest presence. Every time I listen to preachings, and even I pray that whenever I preach, I, would, I will always pray, God, let your presence be there. I want to experience it. I want, to, I want people to see it because it is obvious. You know why I know it's obvious? This is why the Lord is telling us, draw near to God. Look at this. He is omnipresent, but he said, draw near to God. Will you please tell the person beside you, wake up, draw near to God. Then look at this. And he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. You know, in the Bible, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Remember that passage in Matthew chapter 5? The pure there means single-mindedness. People will never see God if their hearts are doubled. Sa Tagalog yan, dalawa ang puso mo. <laughs> in English, double-hearted. <laughs> now, look at this. So what's, why is it important to live in God's presence? Look at this. First, with His presence, we are successful. Friends, success has nothing to do with how much you earn or what kind of house you're living in. Success is in the presence of God. Look at this. In Genesis, now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt and Potiphar, an Egyptian officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the bodyguard, brought him from the Ismailites, who had taken him down there. What, is, what was his work? He was a slave to Potiphar. In fact, he was, he was sold uh, be, be, uh, no, beyond his desire to go to Egypt. And look at this. And the Lord was with Joseph. So he became what? A successful man. How, can you be, how could he be successful? He had no house of his own. He was just living and serving Potiphar with a wife who is so in love with him. Remember? Oh, remember, he had no car or chariot of his own. He was just a slave. But the, but the Bible tells us that he was a successful man. Why? Because the Lord was with Joseph. Friends, I don't care how much you have, what kind of car you drive. If God is not with you, you ain't successful. I, I remember when I was still driving a car. I, I remember that I had a business before. And, and when I gave up my business, when I gave up everything that I used to enjoy, the only car left with me is the Ford Fiera. The hood, every time I make a break, take a break, it will fall off. It wasn't easy, and sometimes it would just stop. For some reason, it would just stop. And during the traffic, you know, the traffic light, you know, I, it won't start. It's God, what will I do? Then I prayed, God, I thank you that you're here. Then, boom, then, at the nick of time, wow, imagine in the nick of time, it started. And I praised God. So another time again, and on the traffic light, again, it won't start. I prayed again, Lord, I know you're here with me. I know you're here with me. And it won't start. And the MMDA, Traffic Enforcers in the Philippines, approached me and said, Hey, I told him, please help me. Let me push this. <laughs> and for some reason, he helped. Instead of giving me the ticket, he helped. <laughs> you see, with God, we're successful. <laughs> Friends, nothing is impossible with him. And look at him. And here's the blessing. Here's the blessing. Listen to this. Now his master saw that the Lord was with him and how the Lord caused 
all that he did to prosper in his hand. Isn't it amazing? If you are assured and you're living moment by moment in God's presence, even the people around us will recognize. They would see and say you're different. Despite of all the problems that we have here in office, I just could not imagine how can you smile? And you would just say, because I'm always seeing Jesus. Huh? In my work, I see Jesus, not my boss. Huh? In my work, I don't see the, 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 pile, the, the piles of papers that I need or documents that I need to look at. But I see Jesus working with me. I remember when I, I also had a chance to work as an accountant in a certain company in Makati, back in the Philippines. For those who do not understand what Makati is, it's itchy. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> now, when I was working there, the company had a backlog of two years of their accounting records. Two years, imagine two years. And the boss said, I need the record fixed in two months. And I said, and then he put that in my cubicle all the piles of papers and I said I don't know where to start I really don't know where to start so I just knelt and I worshiped the Lord and I said God thank you that you know exactly what to do and my boss entered my room and he said what are you doing <laughs> actually he just whispered and I heard it and I said hallelujah <laughs> and, he, and, you know, and in his great surprise even the auditors of others, because of the external auditors and in their great surprise, the papers was fixed in two months. <laughs> Friends, they know that God's presence is in you. They see the smiles. They see the joy. They see the peace. They see the excitement in their work that whenever they wake up every morning, just to go to the office, they're excited because they know people will see that God is there with them and this ministry i pray that we will always be hungry for god's presence because the moment we are we are overwhelmed with the desire to see numbers we might be tempted not to look at his presence friends numbers comes from god even in acts he added thousands why because the presence of God is with them. So let's continue. So Joseph found favor in his sight and became his personal servant. You see, that's how God works. Because without his presence, we will fail. Look at, look at uh, Saul. Have you remembered the story of Saul? Do you know Saul? Yeah. Saul, Saul was the king. He was the chosen king. But when God departed from him, Troubles came in. He got jealous. The reason why people are jealous because they don't see Jesus. The people who are always bothered with what people are doing, they are not seeing Jesus. Because when you see Jesus, he's in control. Amen? So Saul was so worried about his position because the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. And an evil spirit from the Lord terrorized him. Can you imagine? God himself will allow the spirit to terrorize you. Even with Solomon, the reason why there was division in the kingdom, because the Lord departed from Solomon. Remember the story? Friends, you will surely have problems after problems without God's presence. I'm not saying that if you are in God's presence, you will not have any problem. What I'm saying is God will deliver us from them all. Amen? 
And this is wonderful. You know why? Abraham Lincoln, in my great surprise, oftentimes as Christians, we often pray, Lord, if without you, we will fail. But Abraham Lincoln prayed differently. This is what he said. Without you, O God, I must fail. Hello? It speaks about his priority. It speaks about the center of his life. Without you, Lord, I must fail. Because if I will succeed, I will succeed miserably. You see, so many people, they come here. I'm not saying who, those who are here, who came from the Philippines, I am not saying that you're here because you're looking for something else. But for some reason, if God allowed you to be here, I pray that you are to look for His presence. Not, not gold. You see, yesterday I was talking to a friend. I was really disheartened. Pastors resigned left and right from different ministries. And when I dig deeper about the reasons, because they're looking for a ministry where they can be assured of their house, of their personal needs. And I said, oh, how they missed the presence of God. I've been ministering for so long. God never failed providing for my needs and I never tell anybody. I never told anyone about my needs. Even in my coming here, it's a miracle. It was a miracle. I knew it. It was a miracle. I pray that she, he will not ask for the return. <laughs> but it is us, a miracle. <laughs> Honest, it was a miracle. Everything. And I see the presence of God. Prior to attending the conference, I even prayed before I left my room. I said, God, I just want to see you. I don't want too much knowledge. I can read them to, from books, but I want to see you. And from the very beginning of the talk of Bill Hybels, I was in tears, seeing the very goodness of the Lord. You know? And so this is the challenge for all of us. Without His presence, we must fail. Look at the T. It fell. <laughs> we must fail. You see, how, so what should we do to live in God's presence? Always recognize your need to practice His presence. Always recognize. Oftentimes, we're not aware of that. How would you know that you are, the presence of God is not real in your life now? So there is a question. Are you fruitful? Are you fruitful? Even in a ministry, if you are to look for the ministry, what kind of fruits? Remember Galatians? Fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there's no law. You see, you will know. Uh, look at this. This is in practice by Paul. He said, this is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And look at this. If God's presence is in you, look at this. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. The word near there is egus in, in Greek, which means very close. As in you're squeezed in. You're, you're too close to be squeezed. And this is wonderful. One time I was invited in a birthday party. And I arrived earlier than expected. So, but, so I witnessed what was happening. The birthday celebrator was somehow shouting at the top of her voice saying, I told you to watch that! The rice! Look at this! It's burned! So she was shouting and, and her, her son approached her and said, Ma, pastor is here. Didn't I not tell you to watch the food? I'm busy with so many things. You know, he, she began to be gentle because of my presence, remember? And you know what? Just imagine this. You, 
you should also be gentle and be evident to everybody because God is with you. The Lord is near. In fact, every time I would speak something you know, negative to my wife, I would remember the Lord is listening. <laughs> and it, every time she also gets irritated that she would shout at me, I would just remind her, the Lord is watching. <laughs> the Lord is watching. It just, <gasps> because the Lord is watching. Really. So whenever you're seated there and you're, you're listening and you would fall asleep, remember, <laughs> God is watching you. <laughs> Don't worry. It's not judgmental. It's not judgmental. He will just say, oh, look at my baby. <laughs> He's sleeping. <laughs> He's not like me. I'm very judgmental, but God is not. And you know God's presence is there. You know why? Because the fruit of the Spirit is evident. I'm very surprised. So many churches are splitting left and right. Why? Because the presence of the Lord is no longer there. Because there is no fruit of love. There is no fruit of understanding. I could not understand marriages. Oh, thinking of or considering divorce. I could not understand. Because if God's presence is there, how would you contemplate on divorcing your partner? I could not understand. And I can't up to now. Because if, Christ, if non-Christians without God could sustain their marriage, how much more with us? Amen? Hello? Now, let's continue. Now, are you full of God's Word? You know that God's presence is there. You just love to read these words. You are full. In fact, this is what the Bible tells us. Look at this. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. Yeah, you know, I've been meditating on this for so long and said, why mouth? You know, when you are filled, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So you know the presence of God because when you read the Bible, wow, it's something different. In fact, I know that I am already, you know, uh, I, my spirit is no longer on the right track. Whenever I read the Bible, I fall asleep. I know that. So I, I challenge you. Always look at it. Lord, why am I losing my joy of reading the Bible? Because prior to my Christianity, the first time I encountered having a Bible was the blue one, the Gijon, the small one. So the first, when I read that for the first time, I threw it. I could not understand. Imagine Abraham begot Isaac, Isaac begot Jacob, Jacob begot... <laughs> Ang begot, man! In English, it's too heavy! It's too heavy. I, I, I could not understand, so I threw it. But when I was so down in my life and I was asking the Lord to really speak to me because I was just to, to understand my background, my dream, just like I, I want to be a, bil a millionaire, not billionaire. It was God who wanted me to become a billionaire. <laughs> but, but my dream was for me to become a millionaire. That was my dream before. You know why? Because when I was in grade two, I was insulted by my teacher because I smell stinky. <laughs> I don't know if you're familiar with the the boys in the street who sell old newspaper, they do buy and sell old newspaper and bottles. To some of you, you're not familiar with that because it's not, you cannot see that here. But in the Philippines, there's so many. And I was one of those when I was young. And I sold on the street pandisal, the, the Filipino bread. Then I sold putu kuchinta, the rice cake. 
and the rice flappy, and I don't know. <laughs> Actually, I don't know Cochinta, Lord, do you know it? <laughs> I was selling those. So when I came into the room, my teacher said, don't you have parents? Of course I have. And in front of my classmates and class, why are you so stinky? And he, she asked me to jump 200 times just because I felt so, I, I smelled so bad. And I was, I, was, I was jumping, my classmates were saying, Baho isa. I was in tears. And I asked God, when I was still studying, I asked God, Lord, why did you create me? Is it just for me to find difficulties in this life? Until the Lord spoke with his word. I thought the Bible, the blue Bible is different from this one. Because somebody gave me a book. I found it. So I just opened it up and said, Lord, speak to my heart. And the Lord said, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Those that pass away, behold, the new has come. And I began to see the beauty of the word of God. I said, God, thank you. And it gave me a different life. So whenever I read the Bible, for some reason, Lord, I get so excited. I get so excited. Honestly, I get so excited. And that's, you know, that's pres the presence of the Lord is real in you. Every time you speak, it will just come out. Amen? Now, so to some, it became careless. Do you really care for others? Why? Because, you see, in John 13, by this old man will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. It's not about work. It is caring for one another. And again, are you pursuing the vision? Well, it's the vision of God for us to be witnesses, to see people around the world to know that Jesus is real through you. Amen, Pop? It is through you. What, when they see you, they would, they would begin to understand, why do you have such a hope? Because of Jesus. Then are you fulfilling the mission? You know that God is with you because you're fulfilling it. Why? Look at this. And Jesus came up. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And oftentimes what we use, oftentimes we try to tell them, to excuse ourselves, oh, that's not for me. That's not for me. You say, okay, oh, maybe I'll just share the gospel. That would be enough. No, no, no. Look at this. Make disciples by going, by, by baptizing, and teaching them to observe everything that I've commanded you. How many of you are sharing still the good news to other people? Don't raise your hands. You would feel embarrassed <laughs> if you don't. Honest. You're honest. You just ask yourself, how many of you, when was the last time you shared the gospel? And next, after sharing to them the gospel, have you really asked God to help you and to help them and to teach them to observe, to obey, to apply whatever you have learned from Him? The Lord is not expecting us to teach them theology. He was just, for example, when you, after the gathering, you would just ask, for example, some of your friends, gathering them together, tell them, how will you apply the message of that ugly guy? <laughs> of course, it was last week, no? It was... <laughs> <laughs> you can <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. <laughs> joke lang, joke lang. <laughs> nee, honestly, you just guide them so that they would know. Then, okay, if you don't know, I will exemplify to you. I will model it to you. Why don't you follow me? Okay? That's discipleship. Amen. 
That's discipleship and God wants us to do that. And oftentimes we say that, well, I, I'm so enjoying Jesus, but how about the mission of Jesus? Are you doing it? <laughs> what the matter? I'm just enjoying Jesus. <laughs> you know, you are actually out of your mind. <laughs> because if you really are enjoying Jesus, look at this, you will accomplish the mission. Why? I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. And so many Christians, they're fooling themselves. They're just enjoying. They're so selfish. How could you say that God's presence is in you if you're selfish? You're just thinking about your benefit, about your personal blessings, and not sharing the goodness of God to other people. I prayed to the Lord. I was challenged by John Hyde. He prayed one soul a day. And I also prayed, so Lord, please help me. I didn't even know how he will accomplish it. Last night, I didn't even know how because I was in a training. I was just speaking to more, most of the Christians. So yesterday, I was still praying, Lord, remember I prayed to you that I would be able to share the gospel? So a friend of mine invited me for, the, for a birthday party. And she asked me all of a sudden while I was eating, can you preach? <laughs> I'm eating! <laughs> but the Lord's presence was so evident and was telling me, this is your chance. Yes, I will. So I did speak. And God gave me the opportunity to share the gospel. Amen? You see, friends, God's presence will make you see how He works. And you will surely do what He wants. Amen? Now, are you excited to count changed lives? So because if you are numberless, as in you are not excited to see changed lives, you are not living in God's presence. Now, now, let's continue. Are you living out your purpose of honoring God? So many people are purposeless. You know, they just try to survive. You just ask an ordinary guy, why are you working? Because I want to earn. Why? So that I can eat. Why? So I can remain strong. Why? So I can work. Why? So I can eat. So I can remain strong. Why? So I can work. They're just on a survival mode. They're living without purpose. Then they would ask you, Pastor, please pray for me that God will heal me. And why? So the, because I'm diabetic, I want to eat kakanin again. <laughs> Come on. God wants to heal you because He wants to work with you in accomplishing His purpose. Amen? But if you're not, in English, as long as you have accomplished your mission, you will bring, He will bring you home. Diba? Tama? But in Tagalog, pag nakonsi mission sa sayo, <laughs> He will also bring you home. Okay? Konsi mission in English is, he got, he got tired of you. Something like that. <laughs> I'm sorry. Let's continue. St. Matthew, look at Matthew 5.16. It's not just doing good. Look at this. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works. Wow, that's good for Christians. They really see good works, but that's not enough. Look at the words. So that they will glorify your Father who is in heaven. Good works that will not lead them to Jesus? You're just becoming a social, responsible person, but not really a responsible Christian living in God's presence. Okay? So number two that we need to do, we purposely pursue to live God's presence. First, we need to understand, where am I now? Am I really living in God's presence? Now that I am not living in God, then let me pursue it. How? 
Remember this, be a cup for Jesus. What cup? First, connect with the body of Jesus. Connect with the body of Jesus. Why? Because he said, for where two or three have gathered together in my name, I am in their midst. Yeah? If you want, you need to get connected. Oftentimes, we just attend services but never been connected. Being connected, you know what they feel. You know, you need to get connected so that you cannot do this often in a large group like this. That's why I praise God because He also gave us an example in Acts that they gathered together every day in the temple and from house to house. Look at that. Why? Because they need to be connected. Amen? You know, so many of us, we sometimes become hypocrites by telling, I love every one of you. Promise. <laughs> Come on. If somebody comes to you and say, Brother, will you please help me? I'm in great need. Then you would begin to become suspicious and said, Oh, this is a con. He's just trying to con me, man. Huh? You see? Because we don't really know. Because how can you love a person you don't know? God can love the world because He knows the world. You can only apply that in a smaller group. Amen? That's why when Pastor Desmond asked me personally yesterday, Are you praying for them? Obviously not. I don't even know them. <laughs> How can I pray for them? I can only pray those people who are whom I know and close to my heart. Amen? Hello? I pray for the people under my Bible study or under my D group. I pray for them on a regular basis. I pray for them. But I, could not, I cannot pray for all of you. Of course, to my friends here, I pray for them. I weep with them. But, but, I cannot promise to pray for all of you. I don't even know you. <laughs> I cannot pray for him. Amen? Only general, Lord, may you bless the CCFLA. Friends, the reason why God wants us to connect so that we can apply the, the fact that we are one body. Look at how Paul explained it. Even as the body is one and yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we are all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, where we are made all to drink of one spirit. Regardless of your economic status, regardless of your work, regardless of your gender, you belong, if you belong to Jesus, you belong to His body. Okay? Now look at this. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot says, because I'm not a hand, I'm not part of the body. It's not for this reason any less, the part of the body. To some of us, this is how we, this is how we apply, we put this, this explanation. Oh, I'm not part of the leadership, I don't care. I'm just here to, to worship the Lord and sing, that's all. Uh, when they have the challenge, okay guys, we have a, 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 a retreat. Oh, that's for the non-Christians, not for me. You're just saying to yourself, well, I'm not a foot. No, you are. That's why you're not moving. You are not an athlete's foot. You're a foot, so you join. <laughs> Athlete's foot should be taken away. Amen? That's why if the ear says, because I'm not an eye, I'm not a part of the body, it's not for his reason, any less a part of the, holy, of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing be? If the whole were hearing, where would be the sense of smell be? In other words, every one of us who belongs to the body of Jesus Christ is important. Everyone is important. Will you please tell the person beside you, you are so important. So please, 
get involved. Get connected. Look at the words. Look at the words. But now there are many members but one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Or again, the, the, hand, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, it is much truer that the members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. Those members of the body which have deemed less honorable, on this we bestow more abundant honor and our less presentable members become much more presentable. Whereas our more presentable members have no need of it. But God has so composed the body giving more abundant honor to that member which lacked so that there may be no division in the body. But, sorry, but that the members may have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffers with it. And suffer with it. And one member is honored, all the member rejoice with it. That's how the body works. That's how it means, what, that's what it means to be connected. Amen? Now, question, are you connected? I said, are you really connected? That's why I praise, I praise God for there was a group of West Covina, there was a group of... Then I said, how about Barbank? How about Granada Hills? How about the other groups? Oh God, may you bring your gospel there too. I'm not saying there are no Christians there. But I'm saying, Lord, may you allow us also to reach out, to reach out, to reach out to that city, to those cities. Amen? Amen? Now, let's continue. Letter O. We're running out of time. Oh, sorry. Letter O. Obey Jesus. Obey Jesus. Why? Look at this. If you have my commandments and keeps them, is the one who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and will disclose myself to him. Look at it in verse 23. Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my Father will love him and will come to him and make our abode with him. Yes, he's present everywhere, but he will disclose himself to those who obey his words. Amen? And this is also why in Matthew 28, and then may we repeat this, he said, And lo, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Oftentimes, we don't experience the reality of God's presence in our lives. Because we are not obeying. Look at Abraham, for example. I'm so impressed with Abraham. Abraham, when he was with his uh, nephew, Lot, remember? The people under them, their slaves, their servants, they were fighting. And look at Abraham because he trusts in the presence of God. And this is what he said. Lot, I'm giving you the, the privilege to choose which, which uh, uh, area you want to occupy. Okay? Imagine he's the older guy. He is the uncle. So he has the, kumbaga, he has the ano, right of the first refusal. Tama? And what he did, go ahead, Lot, you choose. And the Lord, and somehow cho uh, uh, Lot chose, of course, the best part of the land. Full of water, everything. But that place was destroyed eventually. But Abraham, it seemed barren, but God said, I will bless you, Abraham, because I'm with you. And he obeyed. Hello? You know, here's the blessing. Up to today, in fact, the reason why they're attacking Israel, because Israel is getting greener and greener, while the surrounding Arabian countries are getting more desert. Up to today, God is showing us his power. Now, in my, sorry, I will just pass that. Look at this. And he was saying to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. 
yesterday, uh, Pastor, Pastor uh, Danny stressed this. In fact, we both learned this in the conference. You see, there's no problem with the harvest. The harvest is ripe in John chapter 4. The harvest is ripe. But there are only few workers. And for us Christians, we have forgotten that all of us are the priesthood of God. All of us are workers of the Lord. Amen? So we need to get involved. And you say, I'm not prepared. I don't know. Well, be prepared and be equipped. If you want to obey, then you will see how God will work. At first, I didn't know. When God called me to the ministry, I never thought how God will accomplish His work. First, among us, in the, uh, I, have nine, uh, I have eight siblings. So nine and all. Kami. Nine kami. And I am the dumbest among the sackings. Just for you to understand, the reason why my nickname is Bong, it was previously known as Bobong. In Tagalog, Bobo means stupid. Okay? Stupid. And my father thought I was the, the most stupid among the sackings. So he called me Bobong Sacking. It was painful, yes. But when I came to know Jesus, I removed the bow. I said, Bong! Para malakasan natin, Bong! Now, here's the cuts. Here's the cuts. Even my brothers and sisters could not imagine what God has accomplished in the ministry that He gave me. Not that I am good, but one thing for sure. If you obey, His presence will be with you. Amen? Now, let's continue. So, pray like Jesus. Pray like Jesus. You, you, if, you, if you gather, connect, if you connect with the other brethren, you will experience the presence of God. If you obey, you will experience the presence of God. And of course, when you pray, you experience the presence of God. Look at this. The Lord is near to all who call upon Him. To all who call upon Him in truth. In truth. Because so many people, they pray, they're not praying in truth. What does truth mean? Being sincere? No. Truth is based on the truthfulness of Jesus. We pray because we believe that Jesus is the truth. We pray because we believe that what He wants needs to be accomplished. Amen? It's not just being sincere. You may be sincere asking God, like a guy asking the Lord, Lord, please give me boyfriend. I'm already 50 years old. I still have no boyfriend. And he was praying and the Lord spoke to him. He was sincere, but the Lord spoke to him and said, you repent. You're a man. Imagine. <laughs> so, friends, so it's not about sincerity alone. It is about the truth in the scripture. Amen? Now, let's continue. So, even in fact, when Jesus Christ taught us to pray, this is what He said. But when you pray, go away by yourself. Shut the door behind you and pray to your Father in private. You see, it is an encounter with the presence of God. When you pray, you experience His presence. When you pray, you live in His presence. This is why God wants us to pray early in the morning. How would I know that? Because Jesus Himself exemplified it. Jesus prayed in the morning. He was very tired the night before. But very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got left the house and went off the solitary place where He prayed. And who is Jesus? Oh, Jesus is only God. He was the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Everything was created through Him and by Him. And yet, Jesus, who became human, prayed. How many of you here are gods? None then all the more we need to pray. All the more we need His presence. Jesus, 
needed it. In fact, early in the morning, in fact, the prayer of the Lord, He tells us to really pray in the morning. Look at the, the pattern. Our Father, what in heaven? They will be done on earth in heaven. Gave us this day our daily bread. If you pray at night, you are on fasting in breakfast and lunch. Because only this day. And if you tell me, well, I'm praying about tomorrow. What if you will not wake up? You see, it is no longer applicable. That's why the Lord tells you early in the morning, you start with Him. Our Father, I want to honor you to this, day, this day. I want to glorify you today. I want to, Lord, to magnify your name today. So lead me, Lord, and allow me to accomplish your will for today. Then, Lord, give me my food for today. You see, the reason why we're too worried about tomorrow, worried about so many things in life, because we don't put God at the center of our lives. Because we are not living in His presence. And look at the Jesus. Even Jesus took prayer retreats. Knows about Jesus spread. Even more crowds came to hear Him and be healed. But Jesus often slipped away to be alone so He could pray. You know, Jesus got so famous. Maybe when, if Jesus is in our, in our midst today, maybe some of, most of us would just say, Jesus, Jesus, picture Him. Jesus, 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 picture Him. Then, but Jesus would say, excuse me, and silently slip away and spend time praying to his father. He would not be bothered with the pictures. <laughs> Honest. He would just slip away and spend time with God. I praise the Lord for my wife, really. Every August, I live in the Philippines for retreat. I want the time just to listen and learn. But every August, we celebrate our anniversary. So every August, she misses my presence during the celebration. But I thank the Lord. In fact, this year I promised her, I will come home because the schedule is earlier. Oh, hallelujah. And I said, I'm sorry. I will be preaching in CCFLA. <laughs> hallelujah. <laughs> so I'm telling you, it's more important, more than anybody else. And my wife would often complain before and say, why are you not giving special to our anniversary? I'm sorry, you are far second to God. He's my first. And you're far, far second. <laughs> and if she says, you mean to say you don't love me? Then if God will not be my first place in my life, for sure I will not love you. But because my God is first, I love you so much. Amen? Amen? Now, Jesus prayed before making important decisions. That's how you live God's presence. When you make important decisions, don't just jump and decide. No, pray. Look at Jesus. It was at this time that he went off to the mountain to pray and spent the whole night in prayer to God. Why did he pray? He was about to choose the 12 that he was to disciple. And when God told us to make disciples, for sure, we need to pray. Lord, who are the people you want me to be with? Lord, who are these people? And he prayed the whole night. Is there anyone here who prayed the whole night just for them to see the disciples that Lord want them to, 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 to train? Hello? Neither did I. I haven't prayed that long night just to make sure who are these disciples. So when I read this, I was struck and said, Lord, please give me the right disciples, the, the disciples that will serve you. 
and started praying and that they would come. Amen? You see, we need to, we, if we are to make these important decisions, you live in God's presence. Jesus prayed when he was tempted. He was being tempted. Look at what he said. In the days of his flesh, he offered up both prayers and supplications with loud crying and tears the one able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his piety. The reason why most of us, we are caught off guard with the temptations, you know why? Because you look at the pattern again of prayer. Lead us not into temptation. Satan reports to God. And if he reports earlier than you did, oh, he might permit him. Do you understand? So you would be caught off guard. That's why the Lord, look at this. Even with Peter. Peter, you see Satan asked permission to sift you like, like wheat. Remember? And the Lord permitted. He permitted Satan. Kainis. And what you know? If just in case he permits, lead us and he permits, deliver us from evil, Lord. So what the Lord did, I prayed for you that your faith will not fail. I will deliver you from evil. Do you understand? Hello? So pray. Keep on praying. So wake up early so that Satan will not go ahead of you. Reporting. And Jesus prayed while suffering on the cross. One time, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. And Jesus prayed with gratitude for God's blessing. And look at what he said. Father, I thank you that you have heard me and I know that you always hear me. Friends, Jesus is praying right now in heaven for you. Don't you know that? And this is what he said. Therefore, he is able to also to save forever. How many of you are followers of Jesus? And I said, God said, you are saved forever. Why? Those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. Praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Can you imagine this? Most of us, we would maybe worried and said, Lord, will, will you still forgive me? And I said, no. Of course, I prayed for you. And my father always listens to me. And I will never give you up. Amen? And, and here's the last. Look at this. In Luke 10. Now after the Lord appointed 70 others, sent them in pairs ahead of him to every city and place where he himself was going to come. They were already chosen to preach. But the Lord still insisted by telling them, but pray the Lord of the harvest to send forth laborers. Are you not sending us? Yeah, you're sending you, but you keep on praying that the Lord of the harvest will send forth laborers. Amen? Uh, I remember this. One time when we had our pastoral retreat in, I remember, Palawan Bayo. Oh no, in Don Sol. We had a firefly, something like that. Somebody's explaining about a firefly. And I was praying to the Lord, Lord, how can I share, Father God, your gospel to whoever we will meet, oh God? Please let me be sensitive to the leading of your Holy Spirit. So when we were on the boat, Pastor Joey Batumbakal, Pastor Glenn, of course, and their wives, and me at the last, with two uh, bunker, uh, uh, bunker, what is it? Uh, Boatmen, I'm sorry. Bunker is in the back, right? I'm sorry. <laughs> I realized that. <laughs> now, this is wonderful. So while he was discussing about fireflies, I was praying. I was praying, Lord, how can I share the gospel to these people? And you know what? All of a sudden, he blurted out by saying, do you have any question? <laughs> the boatman, the, boat, the, the, lead, the lead man on that boat was asking, do you have any question? So I asked, I have a question. Are you afraid to die? <laughs> it's about fireflies. <laughs> of course I am. You know what? My friend here, Glenn, was used to be afraid to die. 
and he discovered the secret how not. He will explain to you. <laughs> so he began to explain. He said, yes, he's right. <laughs> yeah, I was afraid really to, to, to die before, but now I'm not because Joey will explain further. <laughs> so Joey, Pastor Joey explained everything since the two boatmen could not hear what he was saying on, in front. I was echoing it to them. And on that night, those three boatmen accepted Jesus. Yeah. Pray, live in God's presence. Friends, and he was saying to them, the harvest is plentiful. Maybe it's to some of us, we're saying, oh, they're no longer open to the gospel. You're wrong. The harvest is plentiful. But the laborers are few. The reason why they're not open, because you are not opening the door for them. You are the ushers for these people to in His presence. Amen? Now look at this. I, I just want to leave this with you. I'm sorry. I have to. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Where is that now? You see, prayer is reminding yourself that God is with you. Amen? So pray. So three things. Connect. Obey. And pray. Before I came here, honestly, it was for my personal retreat. But somehow God also gives me an opportunity to minister to others. And about a week prior to my coming here, I was really dried up. I was maybe because of the business of the work. And to be honest with you, every time I would miss my prayer time, there is a song that always rings to my ear that reminds me of Jesus. And I'd like to end with that song. And this is what it says. There he was just waiting in our old familiar place. An empty spot beside him where once I used to wait to be filled with strength and wisdom for the battles of the day. I would have passed him by again if I did not hear him say. And this is what he said. I miss my time with you. Those moments together. I need to be with you each day. And it hurts me when you say you're too busy. Busy trying to serve me. But how can you serve me when your spirit's empty? There's a longing in my heart. Wanting more than just a part of you. It's true. I miss my time with you. You know what? It was the Lord telling us, I miss you. What do I have to offer? How can I truly care? My efforts have no meaning when your presence isn't there. But you will provide the power if I take time to pray. I'll stay right here beside him and you will never have to say, I miss my time with you. Those moments together, I need to be with you each day. And it hurts me when you say you're too busy, 
busy trying to serve me. But how can you serve me when your spirit's empty? There's a longing in my heart, wanting more than just a part of you. It's true. I miss my time with you. Friends, live in God's presence. You will never understand why Jesus Christ cried out this prayer. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? You know why? He was able to overcome all the tortures because he knew his father was with him. But when sin was placed upon his shoulder, when sin covered him, the sin of the world, his father turned his back on him. And there he said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That would be the cry of every soul who are separated from God, that they need Jesus, that they may be reconciled. And God wants to make use of you. His church, His body, His hands, His lips, His feet. And He's looking for you. But you have to connect. You have to obey. And you have to pray. Shall we just bow down our heads? Thank you, Jesus. Friends, you will never understand what it means to be in the presence of God if you haven't experienced Him personally. If Jesus has never been your Lord, if Jesus has never been your Savior, you will never understand what it really means to be in God's presence. But friends, God loves you so much that He wants you to be with Him. That He gave the best of heavens, Jesus, His only Son, and died on the cross for you. The truth is, He does not need us. He existed even before He created us. And yet, He chose to love us. He chose to deliver us from sin. He chose to deliver us from our darkness that we may enjoy His presence. And friends, if you haven't experienced the presence of the Lord yet in your life, you have first to connect with Him by telling Him, Lord Jesus, I failed you big time. Forgive me. Come into my heart. And thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for giving me a new life. I want to be one with you. Thank you, Jesus. And for the rest of us, friends, maybe you're Christians, but you've never been aware, you've never been conscious, you've never been hungry of His presence. Maybe because you got too busy. Maybe you're just too preoccupied by, by the things of this world. And the Lord is just telling you, I miss my time with you. Can we talk? Father God, we thank you again for this ministry. Thank you, Lord, for Pastor Danny. Thank you, Father God, for Pastor Insong and for Pastor Reggie. Thank you, Lord, for the people that you're using. And I thank you also, Father God, for everyone who is part of this ministry. I pray that you will a presence. I pray, Father in heaven, that you will allow them, Father God, to find success because of your presence in them. Father God, I pray for everyone in this place. You know their needs. You know their problems. You know what causes them, Father God, to burden, O oh God. But I thank you because you want to lift them up from their shoulders and allow them to experience the joy of your presence moment by moment. We give you all the praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.